Can I do this entire episode um, as Mickey Rooney and Breakfast at Tiffany? Oh, let's go lightly! I will call the police! I fully give my consent for you to do that. God damn it. <laughs> so, oh. please yeah. don't make this longer than it needs to be. Decided oh. to conflate the word universal with international, even though those two things mean totally different. Are you saying ghosts have a nationality? <laughs> They think they're going to have a cinematic universe with this. <laughs> hey, man. Burn in hell. Hey, man. DC's going to whip out about ten films in the next three years, so anybody can do it. Fall yeah. into a pit filled with screams and ghosts, you fucker. And shells. Welcome into Film Tank, the weekly podcast that covers both new and classic cinema. On this episode of Film Tank, we discuss the new live-action version of Ghost in the Shell, starring Scarlett Johansson. If you would like to get in touch with Film Tank, you can always email us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Film Tank Show. And you can listen to all of our episodes on our website, filmtankshow.com, or on iTunes. And now, here are your hosts, Nick Cheney, Toussaint Egan, and myself, Alex Diekman. Hey there again, everybody, and welcome back into Film Tank. This is episode 108, and I am your host, Alex Diekman, along with the usual two co-hosts, Nick Cheney, beep, boop, boop, the standard robot sound drop beep and also tucson egan here as well my name is tucson egan and i do not consent to this episode y'all wow. that was cute <laughs> so if you haven't caught on that's a word for it yeah we are talking about <laughs> really quick no. can i do this entire episode um as mickey rooney and breakfast at tiffany oh let's go lightly Actually, I I will call the police. I fully give my consent for you to do that. God damn it! Yeah. So oh. please yeah. don't make this longer than it needs to be. Oh. I mean, Tucson's saying he doesn't want to talk about it, but I'm pretty sure as soon as we turn the faucet on, this is going to go just fine. Oh yeah, yeah. It'll so be coming in no time. We are talking about uh, the new-ish film. Uh, of the live-action Ghost in the Shell. Well, I mean, it, it did come out. What are we going to call this one? Two weeks ago. The White Ghost in the Shell? Yeah. I do like in the first five minutes, there's reference to the physical ghost and the physical <laughs> shell. So I actually think, Nick, you probably appreciated that. So, so this film, if you don't know the entire storyline or everything about it, uh, is surrounded around a character named Major who in the near future uh, is saved from a terrible crash and is cyber-enhanced to become the perfect devoted soldier who works towards stopping the world's most dangerous criminals. And that character of Major is played by Scarlett Johansson, who is the biggest star and uh, the whitest Major. person in this film. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. Sorry. <laughs> uh, also, Pilu... Asbak? Is that yep. how you say his name? Yeah, he's in here uh, playing... Bato. Yep. And then also some other white people, uh, including Julia Binoche and 
Michael Carmen Pitt. Yeah. Whatever he grew that's. an opera. <laughs> that's good. I, I actually like that. And then there's some Asian people here, too. No, there's Beat Takashi, <laughs> uh, who is playing uh, Aramaki. And there's uh, Kaori uh, Momoi, who is playing a character we'll talk about later. We call those non-bankable characters. Um, it's fucking Beat Takashi. You shut your mouth. <clears throat> and then also, uh, Chin Han, also here, uh, playing one of the head people of the... Uh, whatever the police force is called. Section, Section 9? 9? Yes. Ooh, I got one right Who... Uh, Everyone out there may remember him as the one of the underground leaders from The Dark Knight, playing the character of Lao in that film. Oh, yeah. 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 So the film then also, really quickly, is directed by Rupert Sanders. Yeah. Snow White represent. Yeah. This guy who might have a tough time getting big gigs in the future. I don't yeah, know. The guy known for Snow White and the Huntsman and cheating on his wife of 10 years. Wow. Really yeah. bringing baggage into yeah, this, Tucson. Really, really, just just laying. <laughs> Somebody's in, upset. Just laying into it. Whatever. Oh, I didn't know Tuc- this was Tucson an episode. Going, oh, uh, Jerry Tuc- Springer. <laughs> Tucson just going for the low hanging fruit here. Yeah, just why not? Whatever is fine. I mean, I I could go for the low hanging fruit, but we haven't talked about the movie yet. <laughs> Sorry. Anyways, so obviously this is in Tucson's bag. Uh, he is a. Huge fan of the original Ghost in the Shell. Did you just say Fran? Fran. And, and also a huge friend. You a southern friend? I'm a huge friend. <laughs> Fran and a fan. Thank you. He's a huge fan of uh, the original Ghost in the Shell and obviously a lot of uh, things surrounding the, the anime uh, version of this. And he, obviously, if you've listened to other episodes, you've heard some of our talk about this and some of his... Uh, hesitations about this uh, this version, and I'll, I think we'll just turn. We'll just walk away for a few minutes and let him take the floor and, and talk about a just Ghost in the Shell in general, and then and then what happened with with this one. So go ahead, T. Okay, thank you, Alex. Uh-huh. Um, uh huh. Going off of that whole introduction, I am a huge nerd when it comes to anime and. When it comes to my favorite animes, uh, Ghost in the Shell numbers as like a constant number one, number two sort of choice among mine. It's like it is unintentionally the one anime franchise and film that I have written the most about, that I've read the most about, that I've watched the most times. And I still really enjoy it. I still think that it's a cornerstone of first wave cyberpunk. It was actually my introduction to cyberpunk before even Blade Runner. Um, and... Yeah, I, I, I have an immense love for the source material, both from the comic, the film, uh, the television series. Um, yeah, like pretty much all of it. Um, so when I heard the news that this film was going to happen, this American adaptation was going to happen, I had my trepidations, I had my hesitations about it. I heard about the casting of Scarlett Johansson, um, and I pretty much was one of the people who trace the trajectory of this entire controversy that resulted out of the announcement of that casting. Um, if you wanted to hear what my initial thoughts were, my impressions of what it was going to be back then for the, from, from that announcement, you can listen back to our, um, our previous like extra episode for Ghost yeah, in the say, Shell. We literally did an episode. Yeah. <laughs> we did an episode. Named after it. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. did. Yeah. Uh, a whole episode just like talking about that whole controversy at the time. It's a nice little time capsule of. And boy, were we wrong. Of. No, we weren't. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
we were wrong and right at the same time. Um, so going into this film, uh, Rupert Sanders apparently has an immense love for um, the 1995 Memorial Oshi film, which is my favorite. And it stars Scarlett, Scarlett Johansson as Major. They decided to call her Major as a way to get away from the fact that the original character's name is Major Motoko Kusanagi. And they, they're they apparently so fucking stupid that they don't really realize that Major is a designation of rank. And the reason why that rank even existed is because Motoko Kusanagi served in the Japanese ground self-defense forces during the Fourth World War. But they don't actually talk about that. They I, they just honor. Are you sure, it's not like in the same vein of like Major Payne. No, it's it's not it's not really like that at all. It's it's little Damon Wayans. It's actually it's actually expressly not that. Are you saying she didn't fight in all those wars in the whatever four months or whatever is in what, between the, the year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That no, that didn't happen. That 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 didn't happen at all. There. Okay. Um. So. It's okay. Yeah. Thanks, man. Um. This film is not a verbatim. A remake or adaptation of the original film, but rather it is sort of like an exquisite corpse, a Theseus ship, if you will, of parts borrowed from all across the entire like Ghost in the Shell franchise. And as somebody who is familiar with all of these, I'm able to recognize like where they're cribbing sources and influences and materials from. And it is so disheartening. It is so disheartening walking out of the theater. Um, having watched this film, uh, I knew that it was going to be bad. I knew sort of what, what, what the, the third act reveal was going to be, but somehow it was even worse than I thought. And uh, I would say that I have not been this this aggravated with a, a film since Ridley Scott's Prometheus, which was an early episode of ours. A vastly superior film to this one. Yeah. <laughs> I never thought in my life that I would ever say that. But see the thing, the difference between ghost in the shell and Prometheus is that for Prometheus, I actually had expectations and it was more of a general frustration that there were good parts on the screen that just didn't really congeal into what I thought would have been a, a masterful film. Whereas with this film, all I see is hammy downed, um, transhumanist glossed like particles of, 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 of my favorite films and my favorite series just like reduced to shit and then just like projected in 3D in front of me. And it's almost like they took the brains of the original film and put it in a hollow shell. Yes. Yes, Nick. It's almost <laughs> as if they did that. It's almost as if they took the brain out of a Japanese woman and put it into a Caucasian woman's body and then wiped her memory to make her more compliant. <gasps> It's, face off. It's almost I'm <laughs> I'm going to take her face off. Yeah. I um, would have, I would probably been more down for that to be honest with you. If Nicolas I, Cage played <laughs> Major, I actually probably would give this five stars. I would have been able to at least greet it as sort of a parody instead of like a really earnest train wreck. Um yeah. Oh yeah, if they had Ernest playing him too. Woo! Oh God. shit. Um Oh Major. I wish I wish I had. Oh damn, Ver. Sorry. I, I've I've got a lot to say about this film and a lot to unpack out of it. There are some very very few things that I did enjoy out of it, um, but overall, I am left so cold and so. Uh, I'm ready to be done with it. Um, I'll I'll pass it on to you guys. 
I'm going to go, because I think we're going to slide down the spectrum a little bit. Yeah. Um, coming off of Toussaint's feelings, I am someone who has seen the original movie, and I was shown it by Toussaint a couple years ago. And I have to admit that the original movie I appreciated and admired, but never really left an impression on me. Like I didn't necessarily That's find fair. anything wrong with it, yeah. but um, yeah, it just didn't stick with me, so to speak. So going into this movie putting aside the controversy surrounding casting, I didn't have any expectations with regards to the franchise as a whole. Uh, I can definitely say my own thoughts is that this is a piece of shit movie. Um, Much, much worse than the original movie, which is a good movie. And for all the reasons that... This is one of those uh, rare remakes where it's not that someone remade a property and had nothing to add. It's it's someone remade a property and fundamentally misunderstood the property they're remaking. And also had nothing to add. Well, and that as well. But even if you didn't add nothing, you know, there's something to be said of going from cartoon to live action. Right. You know, you can do that kind of thing, at least by virtue of existing. Yeah. purposeless, I agree, but mm. still. Also, the visuals of this film would have been groundbreaking if it came out before The Matrix did, so. Yeah, true. <laughs> Let's, I'm going to circle back and unpack the whole <laughs> thing about that. Um, and <laughs> I got to say, uh, yeah, overall, this movie was really bad. I was questioning why Juliette Binoche was in this movie, who's one of my favorite actresses. Paycheck. I mean, Paycheck, yes, but it's weird because she doesn't do, I mean, she was in Godzilla, but other than that, she hasn't really been in any... Movies recently that wasn't, um, yeah, yeah no, it, it's just something weird... that we talked about right after leaving. Like she's not the like theater. a Johnny Depp who's just taking paychecks. Yeah, like, literally. As we talked about leaving the theater, I mean, in hindsight, it's really easy to say that, but for a lot of people, they get caught up in projects that they get sold on being a certain thing, and then yeah. they're playing a minor role in it. It was sold as playing this pivotal character that. Uh, you know, she thought she could bring a lot to. I mean, not to mention an effects-heavy movie. There's always the disconnect of what you're acting in and the actual final product. Yeah, like it's always going to be at least somewhat. You, yeah, you're right in the so. sense that you won't know exactly what it'll look like until the until. I mean, unless you're getting into one of the before movies or something like that. I mean, yeah. So yeah. Um. So yeah, that was weird. Uh, Scarlett Johansson's casting here was pretty pointless. Um. In no way did she ever jump off the screen as like oh i can see why they went with her mm-hmm. like like because like putting the controversy aside if there was a good performance then at least maybe i would walk away with something but instead of walking away with um nothing i'm walking away with nothing and i, I think she, salt in the wounds so. she acted to the extent to which she understood the character which circling back to nick's point they did not understand or they they only understood a very superficial reading probably of has, the character and the this property itself. I was gonna say it probably has more to say about the director and the writers than about her as an actress. Yeah, but I think for so, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was weird because the first like fifteen minutes, at least from my recollection, seemed like not a remake, but they were hitting the iconic imagery of the first ten minutes. I think of the original film because it literally had the same almost beginning of. Her up on the building, her jumping right. through the window, right. men coming in with the briefcase, machine gun. Certainly, it was kind of a different setting, but it's it's insane how, and maybe this is just superficial, but fuck it, I don't care. Why are the the briefcase, like machine guns, in this film 
so much shittier than they were in the anime. Like it's so you could easily have made them look cooler, but no, you just made them look like ugh, I hate those fucking. Well, props. okay, here's the thing though. I talked about this uh, on our last episode with Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. There is not always something to be gained for by, a one to one. Yeah, for adapting animation to live action without actually thinking about how to adapt something like there there and i think that that's true for for myself at least that when you see these kind of i don't know jobs where yeah there's that kind of one-to-one ratio like well if this is what it looked like then what's the realist the most realistic way to show that um and i don't know it just always looks shitty to me um, we we can circle yeah. back to that and the whole mentality of of how they designed this this supposed futuristic yeah. world. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was gonna finish off by saying, and then the only other selling point of this movie that you could possibly get drawn into, but I wasn't, was the visuals. Like if you're just taking those on their own, and even that, um, I don't understand why this vision of uh, Tokyo, is it? Or is it like a Tokyo-like city? Fuck it. Let's just call okay. it Tokyo because they don't, they don't the, fucking know. San Francisco? Yeah. They, was it San Francisco? Yes. Yeah, we'll call it San Francisco from uh, fucking Big, Big Hero, Hero 6. 6. Yeah. <laughs> San Francisco. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, but I don't know why this vision, uh, like why um, holographs are like the future. Like what in what way did that? I don't know. I can actually um, – explain why the the mentality of that was like because i i did not like the art design but i was just waiting for them to start fighting each other <laughs> i did not like the art design Get back that to much the too. <laughs> when it came to uh the cityscape uh and it breaks my heart to say that because i actually follow a lot of mm-hmm. the the concept artists who worked on this film who actually do have a love of the original source material but were directed for whatever reason to make the, comps- the concepts that they did but the reason uh why those Solograms, as they are called, exist uh, is because they are a layover from a design that was originally intended for um, Stanley Kubrick's AI um, before it was passed over to uh, Steven Spielberg. And that whole carnival-esque uh, sort of like larger-than-life, like futuristic exaggeration was but, what they decided. Wait, to wait like. hold on. So, so they knocked off something Stanley they, Kubrick wanted to do 15, 20 well, years yeah, like, ago? So you're saying that they were inspired by deleted scenes from an unfinished film? Yes. Basically? Yes. That, uh, I think, is a pretty good summation of this movie. Yeah. Anyway. So, so to finish off our little little circle wow. here coming down to the, to the very end... Mm-hmm. Um, I have no history whatsoever with Ghost in the Shell. Mm-hmm. Never seen anything other than I watched the trailer for the the original mm. uh, anime for it mm-hmm. once. Yeah, so that's fine. Uh, I have no real understanding of the story of mm. of the history of it of anything. Mm. So I was going in completely fresh to this, which I actually thought was kind of cool since it was much different than both you guys actually, but definitely than Tusad. Right. Yeah. Um. And I have to say, this was just a very mediocre, not anything great about it film. I, I yep. I didn't I didn't hate this necessarily because I there was nothing for me to really get my blood boiled about and about it. That itself just kind of breaks my heart. I, well, I mean, there's it's just as someone who has no 
no understanding or no knowledge of the original source material. I'm going in fresh to this, and it's just a pretty mindless story. Um, and I I liked certain aspects of the film for sure, though, which mm-hmm. is you know something I definitely want to say is there were things about it. There were parts about Scarlett Johansson's performance that I actually quite enjoyed because I do think she's a pretty good actress, and I think she was pretty much giving. I think she's a good actress. I think she was giving what. She could to this film, which again, I don't think there was much for her to work with mm-hmm. anywhere here. Yeah. Um, but coming down to it, you had special effects that they're trying to sell as groundbreaking, and it's like, yeah, they were doing this in like the first Transformer film. So mm-hmm. I, I don't. And at the same time, too, uh, you have a third act of this film, which just completely goes off the rails. Yeah. Um, it it just it it brought nothing to what should be the the pinnacle of your film like you reached the climax of your film and it's the worst part of your movie <laughs> you failed and it's it was that's, just that's saying something yeah, oh my god it was just super disappointing it didn't help that michael pitt whose career has gone absolutely hey, nowhere hey. michael carmen yeah. pitt the guy who who reached his pinnacle pretty much on boardwalk empire and then got killed off after the second season and then has not been heard from again. He was also the weirdest part in the NBC series Hannibal, which is saying something because that's like a very <laughs> weird and grotesque show. But yeah. he was he played Mason Verger and he literally had a moment in which on network TV he was eating his own face, like the skin that came off of it. And then he goes, I'm full of myself. It's pretty good. Yeah. Anyway. So that's <laughs> um, Michael Pitt for it. Yeah. And but that was back before he became Michael Carmen Pitt. So yeah, maybe so. he's turning a wheel. Um, that character, I will say, um, with everything, because I actually thought the character of Major was not great, but also at the same time, not horrible. I was somewhat interested throughout certain points of the film. Uh, the antagonist character who somewhat becomes a protagonist or whatever... The the whole Michael Pitt character, I can't even re- remember his name whatsoever. Kuze. Yeah. Uh, that was by far the worst part of the film and something that completely was disconnected from whatever the story was trying to do, in my opinion. And I will say one more thing of praise before I pass it off for, for everyone to kind of jump on and give their thoughts. Uh, I did think the opening title sequence was fantastic. Did you like the two titles that were on the that was, title sequence that was because they couldn't fucking that like, was decide unnecessary gonna, obviously started because the cut to the actual logo title sequence was great mm-hmm. uh but they had already showed the title once so it didn't make sense <laughs> they decided not to remove it in post because they're like oh, i don't know i don't know work is movie. hard movies <laughs> yeah. are hard we already spent our budget. Uh, we know we're not going to make it back. Yeah. Save the six dollars. Yeah. I don't know. Um, uh, there's plenty to jump on here, but I ultimately I feel like it's not as bad as you guys are making it out to be as just a film at face value. But at the same time, there is nothing overly good about it. So may I ask a question? Sure. Um, for someone who has never seen the anime. Mm-hmm. Who's maybe only seen like the trailer of it? Yeah. And after coming off of this film, if you were somebody who didn't even know about the anime beforehand, and you saw this film, yeah, would this in any way compel you to no 
seek out the original. No, not out of out of not a out of curiosity. No, and that's what kind of breaks my heart yeah. a lot because um, all those things that you describe. Um, I, I mean, I'm speaking from my opinion, and I have already avowed that I have a, a deep love for the the whole franchise. But when you say that it the the film is mindless and that the third act is the worst part and that the characters didn't really have anything to them that in my opinion is the exact opposite of what ghost in the shell is to me i mm-hmm. thought that there is a lot of depth there's a lot of layers to that film that you may not be able to like parse out from an initial viewing but i've grown with this not film. from this property though not from this property <laughs> like from the originals like i've grown with that with, with this film like into my my mid to like my 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 early adulthood and i'm still discovering facts and and sort of references in it that i didn't get like over the course of like the last 10 years and i feel like that is the mark of a of a great film in itself to be able to have that much to to offer in it um this film has has none of that because Oshi was able to pull references from uh, the 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 Jewish Kabbalah. He was able to pull things from like Christian mythology. He was able to pull references to fucking Igmar Bergman before I even knew who the fuck Igmar Bergman was. And this film only knows how to pull from Ghosts in the Shell. It doesn't bring anything else to it, and in that, it feels like a closed loop. It feels like a a dead end. Um, I, I will say this too, uh, just from this film actually physically being made, I feel like the the studio bought the name of it and said they bought the name. We've heard that people like this, so we probably could make money off this, right? Yeah, because Ghost in the Shell is such an international story. It was an international story because they decided to conflate the word universal with international, even though those two things mean totally different. You saying? Ghosts have a nationality. <laughs> I don't. Oh my god! Don't. Uh, don't he's br- gonna go there, man. Don't bring me back there again. You're wide open for this don't, on this episode. Don't, I gotta tell you. Don't bring me back to that place. Um, you ever see anything other than a white ghost? I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna. Gonna. I don't know what, where where I'm gonna go with this. Do you want me to just talk about the controversy? Yeah, please. <laughs> okay. Okay, let's there's go. There's a sex scene. Let, there is oh. no sex scene. There, there is no sex scene. Can we, can we really quickly, before you talk more about it, mm-hmm. if, I, if I can, just okay. really quickly, I'm All not right. going to make any puns here because I'm not Nick, All right. but can we really quickly just give the, the way um, the ultimate finished product of, of this, and you've seen the film, and you know the controversy, we've already talked on it, and you're, you're going to mention more about it here in, in a minute, but yeah. you've seen the, the final product of this, in any way do you see the casting of Scarlett Johansson justified at all? Um, no. In fact, what I see is the film is bending over backwards transparently to create a premise for which to to justify her presence. Um, Every single major decision when it comes to how this 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 (laughs) setting, this setting was um, contorted in order to create a sort of multi multinational poly ethnic like d- diaspora 
of 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 people in order to justify why this this character is is Caucasian and why because because my my main my main arguments that I had previously months ago were refuted by them changing some fundamental like facts about the universe of this because public security section nine is no longer a public security like outfit is no longer domestic security. Uh, section nine was created by the Honka corporation and is on loan to the Japanese government. And that's how they're able to pull different specialists from across the nation, from across the world. That's why you have like this a team of different people from different nationalities. Boy, alone. that is not presented at all. In no, the it's, film. it's really, it's really not. I mean, they have like a couple of people. They got like two black guys. Yeah. They got two black guys. They got a woman from from London. They got like they got they got Togusa, the guy who played the 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 ringleader of. I got to be totally honest with you. Never would have picked that up. Yeah, I know. Watching this film, I know it's it that yeah. It's, it's, nope. Yeah. Um. <laughs> It, it's well. That's why this movie works because it's oh. built upon a bedrock of the foundation that the original. So you're just supposed to know that. Well, also too, I think we, we're not really discounting the Tucson is anti-feminism because Scarlett Johansson yeah. got a lead role here, and he doesn't want women to get the lead roles. And it's you know True. that's actually not. Yes, my my main contention <laughs> was that Major was not played by a, by a white man as as she was intended. Yes, that's why that's why yes, I'm Mickey so, Mickey Rourke. Why why role. she wasn't played by Mickey Rourke? Not Mickey Rourke. Oh why, my god! Why that's was a, why that's was, a that's a way different movie? Yeah, Actually, that, I'd be kind of interested. Yeah. Um. <laughs> this is. Yeah. Th- this is really heartbreaking. Um. I feel like I'm speaking at a funeral for something that I love. Uh, well, a, a, a film you very much take seriously and take a lot of joy in has been turned into somewhat of a joke with this, right? Yeah, it's been turned into memes. It's yeah, been, it's been sure. Tu- it's been turned into a, a debate about race. Um, and I feel like that is, is tangentializing in so many different ways. And it shows how... How fractured the the de- the depiction or understanding of nationality and race is within the anime community. Yeah, um, we could talk about that a little bit more and how that sort of informed the the reaction to this. I just I'm tired of of arguing with people. It's like, well, in the first film they said it was a European model. It's like, well, actually they were talking about the puppet master model, and the puppet master model is not Motoko. Um, people telling me that I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Bitch, fall back. Don't ever, don't ever, don't step into my realm. Don't ever step step into my realm. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's a it's so transparent why she was casted. It's so transparent. I'm not saying that she's not a great actress. I'm not saying that in other any other role she would have been great as sort of a cyberpunk kick ass like cyborg. I'm saying that she is not the major. She is not Matoko Kusanagi. She is not even Mira, Mira Killian or the fuck they She got, to... in my opinion, yeah. she got casted for two reasons, which was the... Name recognition? Well, I was going to say the runaway success of Lucy. Like, that had a much better box office than that studio. Mm-hmm. And since that was a pretty... And now, as the original sci-fi mm-hmm. property, but it was a pretty outlandish... Uh, technological sci-fi genre fair for a big budget set in sort of anchored in, in, in a Japanese Asian like anchored by her yeah and superficially speaking because she would fill out the suit the exactly I'm just saying you know like you exactly. need someone who has a 
shall we say, well, no, I'm saying I'm talking the whole entire form. Um, like you cannot have someone that fits into that suit in which you have to like squint to see if they are a man or a woman. Uh, because of the way that it was drawn in the original anime. I feel like... Um, also, really quickly, the guy who is her main kind of sidekick, which I'm... Bato. Yeah. He also was in Lucy, wasn't he? He plays the American guy. Was he? The cowboy hat. Yeah, at, at the, the very beginning. beginning. Yeah. I forgot about that. Jesus yeah. Christ. Aw. It's all so, connected. Yeah, <laughs> they're literally like just like, when you walk off the set, just go two more steps and you'll be on the next set and you're going to play yeah. uh, Matoka. What you guys yeah. didn't know is that Major is actually just a thumb drive <laughs> and she is just... <laughs> it's a great movie. Yeah. Um... So, please continue. If only this movie used 100% of his brain. <laughs> oh, snap. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, I feel like the, I, I can see what they intended to do and they thought that they were being brave and edgy by doing it, by trying to literalize, um, the majors, um, existential crises about being a human brain inside of a, a robotic shell and literalizing that in the form of, uh, the disparity between, uh, Mira Killian's like outward, like ghost hacked identity and her real identity as a, um, uh, a Japanese woman known as Motoko Kusanagi who railed against like technology and other things like that. I think that they were trying to like, they, they were, they were trying to follow in the spirit of that sort of revelation, but it just feels very ha- ham handed. It feels very insincere. It feels very gross. It, I actually thought that that specific scene was actually pretty good. Uh, which I, I think that about? Uh, I'm, with, I'm, with the I'm, mother, yeah, with Kari Mamoya, I thought that she was was excellent, and I thought that Scarlett Johansson was like a dead rat in a corner. Hmm. I, I I'll disagree, just because I actually thought that was one time in the film when it got away from its silly backstory that it was trying to hammer into this other story that it was actually showing the yeah. audience and. It actually felt like, oh, okay, this I kind of see where they were going, but they just missed on the other 120 minutes runtime, so I don't know. Yeah. That was just my reading of it, though. I could be being racist at this point. I feel like they just fumbled it at the past. Thank you, Nick. I felt that uh, Kauri, um one part I really liked was when uh, Scarlett Johansson is turning to go out the door, and she says, wait, and uh, she says, like, will you come visit me? And her voice cracks like that. that that's acting like that. That really actually did tug at my heartstrings. Like that's a mom, dude. It's like, dude, I feel really fucking bad. It's so. so Is it t- weird that I like you better now that you're white? Oh wow, man, you had to do that. I see you got an upgrade. You had, wow. Oh god, it's even fucking worse. Android to Apple. It's it's even fucking worse uh, because the the opening um, epigraph of of the film says that the Hanka Corporation was trying to create a weapon that would be the very best of not only machine but mankind yeah. and apparently white power yeah and apparently every single iteration of that um uh manifested as sort of a white face you know what though i will say if that's what they were going for they didn't know so they actually kind of missed the mark there what like they could have gone all in on that and made it into something totally different and somewhat unique where it's like we're turning we're trying to turn all of these 
robot slash people into white, better versions. Like, if if they were fully committed to it, it would have played a little bit better. You mean they, if they, that was somehow actually addressed in the Yes, universe. they could have been yes. just more comically racist than just accidentally it's not even racist. not necessarily comically racist. It would be changing the tone of the story and changing part of the storyline. Well, it wouldn't be Ghost in the Shell anymore. Right. If not. they were addressing... But it was white power. It probably wasn't yeah. going to be Ghost in the Shell with Scarlett Johansson, anyways. So I mean, yeah, trying to make it somewhat original at the same time. I don't know. I think yeah. that another another problem with this. I'll, I'll circle back to this again. Um, is the aesthetic design for this film? Um, like I said before, I'm a fan of a lot of the the concept artists who have worked on this. They've worked on a lot of really great projects. Um, I feel like this was not one of them. This was not one of them um, the, because the whole mentality, I actually own the art book. I actually looked through the art book because I thought that at least initially from a first impression, I thought it might look intriguing. I'd like to see what the origins of it was. And it pretty much came down to what steered it was, okay, Masamune Shiro created the original comic in 1989, right? So why don't we just like design the future like people saw it in the 80s? And I was like, that'll be cool and people will like that. And it's throwback because 80s is, is so in right now, right? And that is entirely antithetical to what Ghost in the Shell was for its time. It was like when Shiro wrote the manga, he was not self-aware. as like, oh, I'm writing this in the 80s. Like, no, he happened to write it from the vantage point which he had, which was the tail end of the 80s during a time when Japan was at the the apex of its bubble economy when you had films like Back to the Future that were making jokes about how um, Japan was going to buy out America because those anxieties towards the end of the Reagan administration, those were real. People thought that Japan was going to economically eclipse everything until the bubble bursts in the mid-90s and, and shit just, just hit the fan. So that's sort of the vantage that he and was writing. we're left with anime. That's yeah, well, actually, anime ex- coexisted before that, but yeah. Anyway, um, so he was writing from that vantage point at that time when when cyberpunk was 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 sort of like in its nascent form for people like Ridley through Ridley Scott's Blade Runner or from William Gibson's Neuromancer. They were just writing from the time that they were like writing it in um, to circle back and try to. Um, retreat to a, a antiquated and infantilized vision of the future is um, the exact opposite of what Ghost in the Shell was trying to do, and it didn't even bother to try to like look forward or even look at where we are now in our future and what are the questions and what are the the ideas that we face now, like going forward. I find it very for a, for for a, uh, an adaptation of a of a property that was meant to be progressive in its in its sort of ideation of the future it is and it is anything but it is regressive i was gonna say i find it very disturbing that spike jones her has a more resonant uh view of the future oh than my god yes than this iteration of ghost in the show and because because he perfectly like, like just yeah. just circling back back to my point they says like you know 80s fashion is back and stuff it's like well her had that. They had like the fucking like belts and the bell bottoms and stuff like hiked up, but they didn't make that the entire centric ethos of their of their aesthetic. They were able to look forward at other things. Also, like, uh, the uh, the her character in that film is also Asian. So it's true, Sam. <laughs> With ScarJo, <sighs> yeah. If you want an Asian woman, look no further than Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> 
Wow. Or Emma Stone. That, uh, she that... also could fill the role. Yeah, I, I read, now that we're circling back to that, I read the, the roundtable interview um, on Ghost in the Shell that included many different like prominent Asian like actresses and directors. If Dan Snyder from the Washington Redskins was holding it, he'd say that they loved it. <laughs> um, and it, it, was, it was really heartbreaking. I know that one of the correspondents, her name escapes me right now, she was talking about how, you know... Scarlet. No, no, no. Okay, so she was she was talking about how when she looked at this film, she could have seen how this film could have been the perfect venue for an up and coming like Asian actress to become like the next Lucy Liu of her time to actually like have a a, a footprint, a, a, a contemporary footprint as an Asian lead, Asian action action lead, let alone an Asian female lead. And they yeah, had, but what if that brought her the dollars? They they had the power to change somebody's life and they knew that they did and they decided to give it to Scarlett Johansson because let me let me try, try to put it this way a couple of years ago i could not compel somebody to be able to sit down and watch a little film called attack the block which starred a a, a little known but very like charismatic actor by the name of John Boyega but boy <laughs> but boy fucking howdy after after a little film called The Force Awakens, this kid is blowing up. Daisy Ridley was 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 the 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 prototype of every single like Hollywood fairy tale where she was working as an actress, like scruffing tables until she becomes say, the you, lead you of Force you Awakens. You can't find work of her before Force Awakens. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. And Harrison Ford. I mean, where did this guy come from? Does he know how to fly planes? Those are the kind the of questions. The answer actually is very much undecided. <laughs> we don't know where he came from. We don't know if he can actually we fly also, We also don't know if his real name is Han. All right. So. Or Harrison. But so we're, yeah. the Asian from Fast and the Furious <laughs> real name is Han Solo. So it's all connected. <laughs> okay. So uh, we're, ten, we're tangentializing a little way from the, no, this is important. The, the core conversation. What I'm trying to say is that they they had the power to do something and they decided not to because they thought that Scarlett Johansson would be a more bankable name. And I just feel like there are so many wrong turns with this movie. I feel like there there are so many things that I don't like about it. I don't like that. I I feel like I'm at odds with the original director on the on the decision of the casting. Um, especially because as much as I love Memorial Oshi and I love his work, his argument for why. Uh, it why why Scarlett Johansson's perfect for the role doesn't make any fucking sense. Continue your thought. I, I have I have something else to bring to the table. Okay. After when, when he when he says that the only reason why there's outrage is because people are injecting their uh, their politics in it, and he believes that art should be devoid of politics. And I'm just like Mamoru Oshii. The man who directed Pat Labor Two, the film before he directed Ghost in the Shell, which is in no which is is in every single way a a fictionalized like a fictionalized story that is based around a terrorist who is trying to create a coup d'etat in Japan in order to protest the forcible demilitarization of Japan at the end of World War II is about to fucking tell me that you should not inject politics into any type of art form fuck out of here there's no such thing as a truly apolitical artwork. There's no such thing as that. Even if you try like really hard, 
at the very least, you are injecting a part of your ideology or your worldview into the writing of your characters, and in that way, it cannot be divorced from it. And even if if if, if you didn't intend it to be like that, it's just like what fucking Joss Whedon says: like when you create art, you create art, you put it out into the world, and it's allowed to become things that you perhaps did not want to intend. It's like art's not your it's not your 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 pet; it's your kid. It grows up and it talks back to you. So yeah, fuck you, Oshi. I'm not even saying that. It's like I oh, I, I take I, it back. I respect Oshi, but I just I I, I passionately like disagree with 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 his opinion so and his argument. He also so, said that when he that the original character was never conceived as Asian. So uh, no, I'm just like that was a real. Yeah, I know. As as a thought to not necessarily counter your argument about uh, John Boyega or Daisy Ridley uh, surrounding the Star Wars and then why that would be. An example of why you can use people who are not names in, in your film. Two things. A, Star Wars is a much easier Dankable set property. Yeah, than Ghost in the Shell necessarily is in terms of having a live action version of it. People are going to go see it no matter right. who is in it. Now, now, the second part of it, though, is something that I talked about with my wife uh, a couple weeks ago after we went to go see Beauty and the Beast, where... You see, something like that is just pretty much leading Hollywood to their decisions of why they make things. Of We've brought Emma Watson in as a very easy-to-see name into this role of Belle. And Beauty and the Beast does fantastic at the box office, where you look at an earlier uh, Disney live-action property in Cinderella that brought Lily James, who people knew but is not a big name, and that film really struggled, and people didn't really buy into her being Cinderella. Yeah. And I feel like to try to get past the major studio's idea that you need a star to sell a film is is probably going to always be a challenge. Well, and it doesn't even just root itself in just the star power of Emma Watson, but also it's so beside the point that they weren't going to hire a real singer. And I'm not saying Emma Watson herself embarrassed herself or couldn't sing well enough, but if I was a director, I would think I would hire a singer to sing in a musical before I hired the actress to... But you'd rather have the name on the poster. The no, no, I'm anything. saying the studio would. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm saying that's like another thing, another example. Like It, it cuts into multiple directions besides just like names. It also goes into... But, for example, when you... So it, it becomes like this weird byproduct where... If you hire Scarlett Johansson to be the major, then you are erasing the nationality of the narrative. Mm. But but These but then they're saying that the the, the 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 nationality of 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 the property is is inconsequential to the to the substance of the property of itself, which I think is absolute fucking bullshit. Right, and that's like that would be like me saying, well, the songs don't have to be well sung in Beauty and the Beast. It's like, well, I disagree, and yeah. you know, so. But you you look at well, all the book. lyrics are there. Another, Are you sure? You look at another part Song of this, though. <laughs> you look at another part of this, though, which is, for the most part, the people who deal with these films on a day-to-day -day basis are the smaller studios that are the fifth logo that gets mentioned in the opening titles. However, you look at, really, the problem of this is that all of these small studios that popped up and became independent studios or that are now all owned by one of the big studios anyways. So it's basically the opposite of what the point of... Yeah. They were kind of like with a lot of craft beers who are now owned by Anheuser-Busch or something like that. Like, it's, it's, it's now... 
it's made more people rich supposedly but at the same time it, it's you're you're going to end up right back where you started with the same exact criteria of i need a big star i need someone who's safe i need something that i feel like will give me a healthy return on my investment so i can count on having millions coming into my bank account okay so um i have two responses one is that i'll admit this had had the film casted um, a an Asian actress, a Japanese actress as the major, the film still would have sucked because of the team behind it, because of Rupert Sanders, because of the the, the three or four people who ghost wrote <laughs> who ghost wrote the fucking script and pass it along to each other like a game of hot potato. Um, it's more like no, you do this. No, you do this. No, no, you put your name on it. No, you do it. Um, it would, this actually was written by Steven Seagal. It so. would not. It would not have been better. Um, just, just a plain fact of life. Uh, and to the to the answer that Ghost in the Shell is not as well known as Star Wars. Well, of course, Star Wars is ubiquitous. It is a a generation spanning space saga. I'm not trying to compare the two, but I am saying that the reason why Ghost in the Shell is sort of the first prong of this of this new nascent wave of live action anime. Uh, live action properties is because Ghost in the Shell was when when it came out in the ni- in 1995, it was one of the first like it it was one of the first Japanese animation films to come to the West and sort of was sort of an, an evangelizer for anime at oh. that time across all media. But also, not only that, but when people say is like, oh yeah, it's like this would have been groundbreaking if the the Matrix hadn't like stolen stolen its thunder. The Matrix would not have existed had it not been for Ghost in the Shell. I'm being fucking serious about that because the Wachowskis literally said they rolled in a fucking television in front of their pitch meeting, showed them a scene from Ghost in the Shell, and they were like, we want to make that, but we want to make that our, make our version of that. We want to yeah. make something that's as, as awe-inspiring and as philosophical and as that right. insightful as which, that. Which technically – in most people's mind, because most people who are film illiterate, I won't go that far. Most tabloid people are film illiterate. Fine. Most people who saw The Matrix when it came out probably had no idea what Ghost in the Shell was. No, they didn't. So their brains are just going to the first reference have that, they can that think is, of. Yeah. is that is the first thing. And also, too, obviously, that film is doing different things than this is doing since it is a live action film. Yeah. It did also, and I mean, the fact of life is that did come out 20 years ago. Yeah. And had way better effects than this film did. Yeah. And it also looked better. Yeah. So it looked better for its time. It was, it was a cornerstone. It looked better, period. It, yeah. It, it, it was a cornerstone of pre-millennial like filmmaking it spawned a a a trilogy it spawned like an entire media franchise that then sort of flickered out of existence within like a three-year span it kind of it 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 burned bright and it faded away trilogy did yeah that's that's what it did and um what what i'm just trying to say is that like ghost in the shell whether we recognize it or not has sort of been a secret architect for a lot of for a lot of inspiration a lot of different sort of like as, as a visual referent not only to the Wachowskis but to the James Cameron to an entire generation of artists and designers and filmmakers and I, I don't um, I don't necessarily think anybody would 
really disagree with anything you're saying. But at the same time, when you're just talking about, I know how well this is going to do at the theater, and I know how well this is going to do at the theater. When you put the newest Star Wars out there, you could have thrown anybody up in those roles, and $800 million would have come in without even having to write a sentence about the script. It breaks my heart because I'm not even saying that... I'm not even saying that Ghost in the Shell could not have worked as a live-action film. I'm saying that Ghost in the Shell, honestly, the approach that they should have taken, and this probably is just, is just me, like as a backseat driver in, in, in this sort of way, like they should have done a different story. They should have made something new that spoke to the time in which it was actually created. They shouldn't have tried to fawn over so reverently the original film and the entire franchise but rather the most the most the most the most honor that they could give to the series was to give it a a, a live action in, incarnation that was built on the ideas and sort of the the skeleton of of a philosophy that the original had but then to like like, like in in the actual art book they 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 say this right they say that okay when Oshi wrote Ghost in the Shell there was no such thing as the internet as we know now. There was no such thing as cellular technology like to the extent that we have it right now, right? It would have been fucking great to see a ghost in the shell that actually addressed those sorts of things. But they decided to go in the exact opposite direction. And I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's just it's just cowardice, if it's just like creative bankruptcy that they can't they can't will themselves to imagine anything that hasn't already been happened hasn't already happened before, but it's just I I I I I just I I I'm at a loss of words honestly for how 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 inane this entire exercise was and to have to 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 argue about this shit for over a year over two years over the fucking casting let alone all the other shit that surrounds it like. It was just absolutely fruitless. So we have the sort of somewhat showdown, which should be a major part of this film, which is probably, <laughs> probably about an hour and ten minutes in when we have Major for the first time meet uh, Mr. Carmen. And <laughs> she called Mr. Carmen now. Mr. Carmen San Diego. Mr. Carmen San Diego. They casted a man. They Anyways, casted a man. So. She walks in, runs into Michael Pitt's character, and they have their first meeting where he is sort of turning the table with her and, and changing. I felt like that was one of the parts of the film where I was like, wait a minute, this should be a lot better of a moment than this is. Yeah. Like, this should I, be like a, this should be like a, my mind just exploded. This should be a uh, Keanu Reeves pulling the cord out of his body as he just finds out that he's actually been a battery his entire life. Like this should be a mind blowing moment. And instead it's just six lines of dialogue delivered by Michael Pitt. Like is Michael Carmen. Uh, a does that name was (laughs) a, does that kind of scene exist in uh, the original and uh, B is it done better? Um, there is no, well, that depends because they conflate, they conflate Kuze into say, the puppet master. Is that character even really 
as depicted in the live action, that there is no analog for Kuze, that Kuze is a character, but in the second season of the Standalone Complex series, you haven't seen that. No. I've always but, seen the But they, they conflated Kuze into the Puppet Master but they won't call him the puppet master because they think that they're gonna have like a like they think they're gonna have a cinematic universe with this. <laughs> hey man, burn in hell. Hey, hey man, DC's gonna whip out about ten films in the next three years, so anybody can do it. Fall yeah. into a pit filled with screams and ghosts, you fucker, and shells. Yeah. Um. But anyway, uh, there, there's something that's. I mean that that should be low hanging fruit. That scene, right? That should be. That should have been the easiest scene to create this amazing the, mind explosion thing. The, and we instead we get a bunch of lines of dialogue and nothing else. The parallel to that scene in the original Oshi film. And remember, it's not a one-to-one translation. Uh, I don't know if, if Nick would, would speak to this, but he probably wasn't as affected or moved by it as I was when the whole puppet master like made his whole speech uh, like – Announcing his autonomy as a, as a you mean a, in the original movie in the original oh, movie okay. yeah um, like but when I when I first watched that that fucking blew my mind that fucking had me like re like rewinding it and trying to like follow his line of of, of rhetoric because I felt like I I was it's how how a piece of media is able to open your mind to something that you never really thought of before. Yeah. To ask questions that you never really thought of before, like how it becomes a touchstone of your own like maturity in a way, like that's what Ghost in the Shell was for me. And I, there, there's no way that this scene could have been to that. No, but it wasn't even. It wasn't close. even close. It didn't even grace it. It's I mean, just, it was just it's plot it was, dump. It was just yeah. It was exactly that yeah. actually, and it was just took just shut out the co- plot. Continuous lazy writing. And here's the thing. I'm trying to think back to think about exactly how every part of it went down. Two things. One, I can't remember. (laughs) And the second, if I wanted to see it again and think about it, I wouldn't want to go watch it again. So I will never know. But (laughs) it it just it just it just wasn't that good. Even even the small parts of this film that that I did enjoy, because, again, I. There wasn't right. anything to love or hate for me, really. Or to compare here. it to, yeah. Yeah. Like, I like these small little quirks about Scarlett Johansson's physical movements Demeanor. as a character. Yeah, she's got this kind of, her shoulders are pushed a little up. She has this little kind of limp in her walk. Uh, mm. I, I thought there were a lot of little details there that... Like she's not at home in her own body. Right, but I, I thought there were just a lot of little things like that and and. Exactly as you said, Tucson. Yeah. She doesn't feel at home in her own body. Like I, I don't know everything about it, but it actually intrigued me of why is she doing this and why is her body move like this and and why does she act a certain way around animals or or whatever. But again, the the problem is is that you never get any sort of payoff with anything in the in the story. As you're intrigued. But then the writers have nothing for you other than, well, I like the dogs, so I keep food in my pants like Jack Nicholson is as good as it gets. I have a... And then you, you get nothing after you see the dogs later. Like it's Exactly. I, I have an answer to that pulling from, well, of course, it, it makes sense if you watch, if, if you know the history behind like the, the series and stuff. But Cool! But, no, but, but if you don't, like, I know, then it doesn't make any fucking sense. And you're right, like, that, that's, that doesn't... It's it's not a very strong point, but it's like the, President Snow drinking the wine in the in the second uh, 
in the second Hunger Games film. And yeah. I was like, what the fuck is that? And my wife's like, it's a big part of the story in the book. I'm like, okay, I so, don't get it. So so the reason why she acts as robotic as she does, like it's not even just because she's a brain inside of a robot body. It's because, in, circling back to the whole thing of this film feeling so regressive compared to how progressive of future the the original one was they literally winded the clocks back when it comes to cybernetic enhancements in this in that scarlett johansson is the first iteration she is the the prototype she is the the first of her kind in a way and that's probably why her body is so kind of out of sync with her or is she number nine or 99 yeah she's number 99 but she's the actual one that lived so whatever um and when you see the, the the rest of the sort of cybernetic enhancement tech that everybody else has, like in the the first scene with the the African dignitary, there's like these translucent wires that are kind of like gross and kind of like splayed into the into the side of his temple. You see like the wires that are spilling out of the the eye sockets of the the thugs that try to like burst in and like shoot everybody. Like it's because this tech is very 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 grotesque. It is very first iteration. They they were just able to make a, a a woman who looks like a woman on the outside and is able to to pass beyond the uncanny valley. That 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 was their their bar, and they tried to like reach it. So yeah, it, it's a uh... God. I'm so fucking disappointed with this film. Yeah, there's 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 just a lot. The music sucks. It's utterly forgettable. Um, let's talk about the one good scene that I really fucking enjoy. Okay, so it's, it stars uh, Beat Takashi, who plays Aramaki, who's the leader of Section 9. And he was initially very boring throughout the first part of it. But then after uh, Motoko tells him the truth about uh, Cutter being a fucking dick, he's like, okay, I want to go see the Prime Minister. And you see, like, one of the uh, the robot, their, their robot assistants that hand him his suitcase. You don't know what's in the suitcase, right? He's walking to his car, gets in his car. Puts a suitcase next to the door, and he, you can see um, out of the window that somebody has pulled up, even though it's raining. He switches to Minecom, tells his entire team to, like, do it. He ducks down when the when the thugs are trying to, like, shoot into his car. And it, it's just, like, a really cool, like, tense scene. It's like, and even the music was sort of, like, had, had, had sort I of agree. a, a pinpoint to it. And there was it. some inspired lighting, which yeah. wasn't futuristic, but just actually... yeah. Pleasant to and, look at. And then when they try to reach for the door, he smashes it open, shoots the guy in the face with his revolver, lifts up his, his suitcase, which was just bulletproof that entire time. It was just a shield. And then proceeds to, like, kill everybody, turns over one of the bodies, and sells, says to him in Japanese, like, don't send a rabbit to kill a fox. Shoots him in the face and then dis- then then unloads the, the bullet casings onto his body and then walks off. There is no other scene in the entire Ghost in the Shell like franchise that is a parallel to that, and that was fucking badass. I have never seen that character do something like that, and I loved it. And that was the sole shining thing in that entire fucking movie for me. And I hated that because I wanted more. Mm. Something really, uh, really quickly. Uh, I yes, just saw, I just saw this headline on on Twitter, and this this just made me smile. I don't know if this is this is real or not, and I don't really even care that much. But this is great. Yeah, that's real. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. All, it's all one ticket. Yeah. <laughs> you want to explain that to the listeners? What? what no, we're I mean about? this is this is no, he meant purely that. just between us. Oh, but... we're gonna cut it out.
Yes. Okay, cool. But I just... I just he also apparently lost his mind at a bowling alley. That's even better. I'm so sorry. He physically lost his mind at a bowling alley. Pretty much. Where's my mind? The people witnesses say that he was at the bar, you know, at the bowling alley, and Mm -hmm. that he freaked out because the bartender, according to him, would not give him fries. And he ordered fries, and he wouldn't give him fries. So he just kept calling him a racist fuck for some reason. Um, and then he he stormed out, and then he was returned to the bowling alley because he was still wearing the bowling shoes. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but that is like the most perfect like storm off thing ever. It isn't. Like, this fuck is, you guys, walk away. And this then, is reached- sir. We're going to need your size sevens. <laughs> Has this reached the point also where where? It's gone on for too long that it can't be considered a, like a walking phoenix bit. Like this is he is fully committed to doing this, or yeah, it seems like it. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> well, good. All, All right. right, you guys want to go into final thoughts, or do you have more to discuss? Yeah, let's go into final thoughts. Let's All just right. jump back into it. All right. Yeah. Um, well, why don't you? Do you want you want to go last? I'll go last. Okay. I'll we'll start where we where we ended on on first thoughts, and I will go first. I'm just going to give this a straight down the middle, two and a half out of five. Um, this really did nothing to move the needle either way for me. Uh, it was a poorly written story and also uh, brought nothing to the table in terms of intrigue in the final act, which is really <laughs> the pivotal point of any film. Uh, but at the same time, I did think certain aspects of it worked for me. Uh, and also I, actually enjoyed most of the performances here except for uh michael pitt's character who is dreadful um so it just overall did nothing michael carmen (laughs) pitt i love how dedicated you are i love it there's just nothing here to to do anything for me so i'm just gonna give it two and a half out of five and i enjoyed certain parts of it but i will never watch this again so there that is on to Nick. Woohoo. Um, yeah, I thought this was shit. Uh, I thought it was pretty much boring. I thought it was uninspired, which is ironic <laughs> because it's inspired by yeah, I know. property. Uh, I, know. <laughs> um, I thought it was visually unimaginative, which is too bad because that's one of the hallmarks that a film of this property and pedigree should be. And I thought the movie, like Toussaint kind of mentioned, um, is laughably offensive in the way it ties in its casting choice into the narrative. And um, overall, I just, I don't, I walked away from this not knowing who this movie was for because I can't imagine that a diehard fan of Ghost of Michelle who loved Ghost of Michelle for what it is um, would be able to get anywhere near the same thing from this. And yet I also can't really see any newcomers who've never heard of Ghost of Michelle walking away from this and feeling satisfied uh, on a narrative level. So, um, yeah, I just think it's pretty awful. The most enjoyment I got out of this movie was seeing the word Carmen in between Michael and Pitt. So, um, yeah, I give it one and a half out of five stars because I've seen certainly worse films, but I haven't really seen as uh, dead on arrival, uh, you know, uh, yeah. films, so to speak. So. Yeah. I think that of all the things that I've I talked about, the differences between this film and the original and just the, the franchise at large, I think just to close out, um, one of the main 
problems that I have with this film and its divergence from the original, um, just on a on a thematic and tonal level, is that Oshi's 1995 film, even though it was by all by some appearances very drab and a little dystopic, it was ultimately a a very affirmative message at the end it talked about sort of the the potential of technology to not only elevate the major but sort of humanity out of the depths of of fear and doubt and depression into sort of transcendence and in that way it was it was quintessential cyberpunk um that looked at how it 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 dates back from a time when we when people still felt that the internet was the last free space in the world that no matter how shit things can be that the the internet itself or even technology itself could be a, a an equalizing force that could give voice to to the voiceless and to hold the powerful in account in, in account um, that sort of mentality does not really exist anymore it's not as widespread that sort of optimism uh, a starry-eyed optimism of the potential of the internet has sort of metastasized into uh, shit posts and alt-right egg Twitter accounts and just a, a, a quagmire of shit. And that's sort They're of not going to be eggs anymore. And that's sort of, um, sorry, is epitomized <laughs> in, in, in Sanders film, whether intentionally or unintentionally, because for all of its sort of starry eyed wafting, like invocations of transhumanism, it is ultimately a, a very dark and cynical film that constantly talks about these, these transphobic warnings, these technophobic warnings of what will happen if we go too far. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's, it's a film that that's rooted in fear and I don't like that. I don't think that is what ghost in the shell is. And I don't think that's what ghost in the shell needs to be, especially if the franchise is going to grow out of the, the the shadow of any one director and instead um be a franchise that 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 continues on like well past oshi or well past kamiya or well past shiro um i'm going to give uh rupert sanders uh, ghost in the shell film a one and a half out of five because at the very least there were colors on the screen and uh people moved and spoke that's Uh, your baseline they 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 spoke at some point uh, there was a beginning, a middle, and end, and there was a a helpful uh, credit sequence that told me when it was time to leave the theater. So I appreciate that. And there was no post credit scene. Thank God. Was there? No, there isn't. Did any of us stay for it? <laughs> no, we got up and left pretty quickly, as I recall. Uh... Okay. Well, that is our feelings on Ghost in the Shell. Obviously, three vastly different uh at least viewpoints in terms of how we receive the information but uh yeah not a lot of high praise for the rupert sanders live action work come on rupert yeah he's probably not going to get many more chances so whatever your feelings are uh positive negative in the between whatever uh we'd love to hear him at film tank show at gmail.com uh, or if you feel you'd rather contact us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, that way you could always do that as well. On our next episode, it's this is going to be fun because this is the first time that we're able to do a second film in a franchise uh, the first week of its release uh, 
on this podcast. Yeah, like it's been yeah. so long we, enough. Yeah. So we did Furious 7 when it came out, and yeah. now we're going to be doing the fake. That was during the Furious. Kenny era. It was. <sighs> Which says a lot about how these movies are getting forced out, not just the Fast and the Furious franchise, but just in general, where it's like, look, two years later, here you go. Yeah. Yeah, luckily, luckily no one died this time, so, you know. At least Mission Impossible seems to take its time. Henry Cavell. Oh, oh yeah, I oh. forgot about that. And Jeremy Renner will not be back. Yeah. Not that I will miss him. <laughs> just saying, yeah. He, he was always Considering there. they were trying to, like, there. hype him up, I think, to become a bigger character. He didn't do too much in that last movie. No, but I think the ending, they were trying to insinuate that he'll be the new ops, like, head of... Alec Baldwin character or whatever. Hmm. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe he will and he'll just disappear. Ah, yeah. Or he'll put a mask on or something like that. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But yes, it, these, you know, the Fast and the Furious films are just kind of popcorn fun, which is exactly what I think we all are looking forward to. And uh, we'll obviously be looking forward to talking about it upcoming in our next episode. I don't think I need to list all the uh, all the players in it right now, but it is a pretty long list at this point, highlighted by Vin Diesel and his misogyny. So we'll be back on episode 109 to talk about the fate of the Furious Senorita. Yeah. So great. Yeah. We'll definitely have to comment on that. Am I the only one seeing this? Am I the only one seeing this? She's beautiful. I mean, how can you guys get any work how can, done? How can you get any work done? I was like, oh, I just, let's go. Let's get out of here. Let's gotta, gotta, gotta go. I'm so much more excited to talk about this film than fucking Ghost in the Shell. I, I agree. I am as well. Yeah. So uh, look forward to that. Again, you can always find our episodes on FilmTankShow.com. Also, we are on iTunes or Stitcher as well at Film Tank Show. From Nick Cheney to Sanigan, myself, Alex Diekman. Oh, Tucson has one more thing to add. My name is Tucson Egan, and I do not consent to this film. All right, you, you missed the boat a little bit, but that's okay. Yeah, also, you kind of just repeated what you said. Yeah, that's okay. I'm only human. No, Jerry's still out. So, from Nick Cheney to Egan, myself, Alex Diekman, thank you guys very much for listening to this episode of Film Tank. And we'll catch up with you next time.